Alright, welcome to episode 9 of the Bobbycast. Brought to you by no sponsor yet, but uh, what's great is we did get a note saying that uh, a major sponsor will come aboard, so we will continue to get to uh, do the Bobbycast. Uh, in my house is Ryan Hurd, writer and now artist. I say and now artist. At one point, where you were trying to be an artist, and then you, st- you then you decided you were just gonna write. Now you're back again. Is that right? No, I came when I started writing songs in Nashville. It was just to be a songwriter. So you came just to be a songwriter. Well, I came here to go to college. Now, okay. So here's all I do. I want to start with today and make a full circle. Sure. Okay. So that's how we'll do this interview. By the way, Ryan Hurd is here. And I hope that you will check out his music because I'm a fan. I was playing it before he even knew that I was going to play it. We Do Us is this song here. Now, I think that's the jam, and I thought that was a jam before I even knew that you know you would even be in the house, because I played it, and you had no idea I was going to play it on the radio. No, not at all. So I woke up, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get these songs ready, and we do this thing where we mix like cool, up-tempo music, and it's usually like Young MC and Coolio and like some old Garth, and I was like, man, we got to throw We Do Us in there, because that song is like, that's the jam. And so we play it, and so... You know, you have writer's hours and artist hours. So, listen, I wouldn't wake up and listen to my show if I didn't have to wake up at 3 in the morning. Like, ain't no way that would be happening. So, you weren't awake, I'm assuming, when it played. Oh, uh, no. I, I was telling Mike, I was like, yeah, we, I listen to the show when I'm up before 10 o'clock or moving before 10 o'clock. But so, once a month or so, you're up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm generally an early dude, but just lately, we've been back on the road, and that's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of movement, yep. and so we've been. I just been tired, but yeah, I, I just my phone started erupting, and that was cool. And then everyone's like, "Turn on the radio, turn on the radio." And I, I'd never had. I've heard other songs I've written on the radio, but never my song on the radio. So, so really, it was the first time to hear your own voice singing a song on the oh, radio. Yeah. It really was. Dang, I didn't know that. That's oh, cool, yeah. man. Thank you very much. So I, I would have thought if my phone was erupting that I was late to something, or there had been some tragedy. Oh yeah, life. that was it. So you thought, uh-oh, something's going on. Yeah, and I don't have a radio in my house, so I ran out to my car. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I um, I just, yeah, I got a, a new place, and I don't even think I had a, I wouldn't have had a radio in my old place either, but uh, just in my car, that's all I listened to. So I, I ran out there and missed it by like two seconds. So. Well, then I, well, I played it for like five weeks straight. <laughs> yeah, I, and then I, 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 I caught it eventually. I even went to my boss, and I said, and I said hey, this Ryan Hurd guy, like I... Because he's the head of the entire country format. Sure. Him and I have been there for, for 13 years through me doing rock, through me doing pop, through me doing alternative, um, sports, country. Like him and I have been together forever, so we had this, this great trust. And I don't go to him very often and say, like, this is for real. And I went to him and said, hey, this Ryan Hurd guy, like, I don't know if this is a single. I don't know. But, like, he's for real. And I remember having a talk with him about that day, so I just kept throwing the song in. And then, I, I mean, this isn't a single, right? We Do Us? Like, this is just the first thing you put out there? Maybe it's a single? Like, do you uh, know? No. We, well, here's our plan. This is... I've, we're going to put out one song a month for the next 
We're going to do it four times. Okay. Uh, and just, I want to build a story and I want to have music out there to tour on. Because once you hit that radio button, like that's it. You can't really put anything else out there until that one goes away, you, like, good or bad. It right. fails or, or climbs into a great spot. Yeah. And so, like, we're, I have a lot of touring commitments over the next six months. And I'm like, I can't go out there and tour on nothing. So we just, I don't know. We thought about putting out an EP and I've already done that and pulled it. Um, and, and I love the music we made on that, but it just felt like everyone was doing an EP. And so it felt cool to, I don't know, get to go and do a song a month and see how each one of them goes. And I love the single mentality which- though, too, like you're doing, because, you know, in my limited experience of putting out a couple records, we did a comedy record and we did a kids record. Like I would rather just put out a song every for many weeks or a month instead of like 13 at one time, because people don't really consume stuff like that anymore. Yeah, and I think the fun part about doing one at a time is like now the digital stuff, like the digital platforms just let you do it. You don't have to plan that much right. in advance. You can just be like, you know what, this is cool, let's put it out. If we want to, we can get it out in two days, which is a really, really amazing thing about like the like music becoming more of a democracy. It's that's like, the good thing. The bad thing is you don't get paid. That's, no. That sucks about And I tell people, if you like an artist, buy the download, even though the download is a pay... Like download songs instead of streaming. Like really, just keeping it real because you ain't making crap off streaming. No, it's hard. That part's hard, and, and it's hard because it's it's sort of like if you it, it, in a, in a, an artist in my position, and just to be completely honest, is like you don't want to bite at this level, like bite the hand that feeds you. Ah, well, streaming sucks. And I, but listen, <laughs> I'm an artist that has songs up there streaming too. Yeah. But streaming will get fixed. That's the thing. The internet's the wild, wild west right now, and I'm on the inside watching the legal part of it too. Mm-hmm. There's just no rules right now, and we're fighting for rules. And you know, you guys as writers, and you're a writer and a performer, so you're on both sides. You get the publishing, and you're also getting you know, the artist the, the part of it as well. One of my best friends fights for songwriters. His name is Lee Thomas Miller. I love Lee. That's my dude. Like yeah. my favorite dude. Like one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So he goes, and he fights against me in Congress, and then he comes to my house, and we write funny songs together. That's exactly right. So, But the <laughs> internet is such the wild, wild west right now that it will fix itself. I think it has to if you want to have professional songwriters going forward. It, they will, we, they to cultivate will it? Dis- absolutely fear. right. So you put, oh, here's my very first Ryan Hurt story. Um, I didn't know Ryan, and I saw Ryan walking in the back of Bridgestone. Maybe it was C- CMA. CMT. C- no, was it CMT or, a- or a- ACM Awards? CMT. C- well, maybe it's CMT. So many of these, I don't know. There's a lot of them. We're walking back at CMT, and I saw Ryan, I was like, oh, I don't. I'm the guy that's awkward, and I don't want to approach anybody because I always felt like I bothered them. And I saw Ryan walking. I was like, I want to tell him I'm a fan of him, but I don't want to bother him because he's walking. He's kind of by himself. And so I, I am a believer that if you're a fan of someone, you should always tell them. Now, it's up to them how they react, and if they're with their kids or they're eating food, don't. But other than that, if you're a fan of them, go and tell them. And I walked up to you, and I was nervous, and I was like, I don't know if you remember this. Even remember this whole. No, I do. And I was like, "Hey, dude, I just want you to know I am a huge fan of what you do." And the, the rest was kind of a blur to me because it's like when you talk to a pretty girl and you kind of don't remember what they say next. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember you being very nice to me, and I'm very appreciative of that because I am a huge fan. Thanks, man. And so I, I want to play a little bit of the new song here. This is cool. Uh, the hook of "Love in a Bar." And so, anything you want to say about this one before I play it, man? I could talk about a lot about this. I mean, I'm making a record right now, and the first two I had so much material 
and it didn't connect in any way. And then I wrote, I got this song back. I wrote it with my friend Joey Hyde, who is an incredible guitar player and artist and, and writer. And he made me write the song that day. I didn't want to write. I was like, I want to go home or I want to do something else. And he's like, no, you got to sit and finish this today, buddy. He's like my best friend. And, uh, he did the demo and it came back and just made so many songs make sense. And then same thing with We Do Us. When we got that back, it made all of the poppier stuff make sense. And so that's a cool part about getting to make a record is tying it together. But man, it, it's it's a it's a pretty intimate song to me. It's like the, those moments that you find yourself like going and and like going out of your way to see somebody and and not necessarily consciously doing it. And it just that title was in my head for so long, "Love in a Bar," "Love in a Bar," and I think it was just from watching a movie or something. But I I love it. So like the melody's powerful and the lyric is really intimate and cool and and honest and uh, yeah, I just it's feels like track one, you know what I mean? Here's Love in a Bar. Thanks. Dude, I love rock and roll too, yeah. and that's part of this. Getting to, I feel like not a lot of people are doing that kind of rock and roll. They're not because they're scared to, quite frankly. Yeah, and rock and roll's awesome. And it's part of just the culture of America. Yeah. trouble listening back to yourself or do you, are you cool with it? Uh, if it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you wrote that one after because your friend was like, hey, stick around. Where did you write We Do Us? So that's, I wrote that with my friend Mikey Reeves and my friend Laura Veltz. And Laura wrote, I know Laura Veltz. Yeah, so Laura wrote uh, Drunk Last Night for Eli Young Band and she wrote uh, that. Lonely lot. Eyes. Yeah. Chris Young. She wrote a lot of songs. She, she wrote, wrote songs. three songs on Marin's record, and we've always been really close, just personally, and we've written a lot of songs together and have a couple things together, cuts together and whatnot, but it was her title, and that's her singing. And that who is who singing? That's Laura singing. That's Lawrence? That's not Marin singing? No. It sounds just like Marin singing. Well, everyone thinks that's... Do you know that everyone thinks that's Marin singing? Do they really? Everyone thinks that's Marin going, oh! Oh, 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 oh. No, it's Laura. Mike, who do you think was singing? I thought that was Marin. Everybody oh. I've talked to thinks that's Marin. I mean, I love singing with Marin. I miss it a lot, but the uh, I'm blown away right yeah. now. I thought that was I okay. But think Marin. about this though. So Laura Veltz wrote for Marin with Marin. She wrote Rich, which is like oh, that's of, my favorite on on the. Re- I love Rich. And she wrote uh, I could use a love song. And she she wrote that's two on the Marin. She wrote she wrote three on that one. One more. Help me out, Laura. I can't believe that's not Marin. I'm blown away. I just thought that was Marin. <laughs> no. Like, you, I mean, she sings on a couple other... She'll sing on a couple other things on my record, but... That's crazy. Uh, I'm like, a little bit mind blown there. So you wrote... 
You have those two songs. Did you write that anywhere special? Was it like, or you? No, in Mikey's studio. I think it might be Mikey's first like major cut in country music here in Nashville. He's this really cool, heady dude who like is really into like the existential quality of every piece of the song. And I just he produced that with my friend Aaron S. Heiss, who I grew up with and is my producer. But grew up where? Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And so you guys really grew up together in Kalamazoo, and he's here, and he's, you guys are working together? We came here together like 10 years ago. That's cool. Yeah, he like, went and did audio stuff at Belmont, and I went and did my sociology degree. Yeah, and, that's something I wanted to touch on. Like, as we go around the circle here, so you came to Nashville to be a sociologist? No, I came to Nashville to not be at home anymore. Okay, fair enough for point and, uh, one. Then what, what was the other reason you came to Nashville? I wanted to, I mean, I just, my mom took me to colleges and we came to Belmont and I loved Na- I just loved Nashville and I wanted to be in Nashville and I, I we went to the school and I was in a band my first year and I was like I don't want to do that anymore. What kind of band? A rock and roll band. Just a rock band, yeah. Yeah. And uh then I just said I want to do school and I found a professor that interested me and I, like I loved doing the sociology stuff. I liked the challenge of it and I liked reading a lot. I still like to read a lot. And then I did an econ major too at the end cuz I did so much summer school. I had a lot of time. And I just killed myself to get out, of, like basically to get done with in time, like in four years. And then I got out of school. Were you doing music the whole time or no? No, I didn't do it for like three years. Okay, wow, wow. And then I got out of school, and I was gonna go to graduate school, and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I was like, I just, I, for some reason, can't do it. And I wanted to go to Michigan, and it just wasn't the right thing. And I never could, you know, when you're like, you know, you're supposed to do something when you're not, and I just didn't do it. Did you feel the calling? To come to Nashville, maybe, like, in your heart that you didn't know it subconsciously because of the music? Well, I grew up making music with Aaron in Kalamazoo, so yeah, I think we wanted to be here to be around music, and he went and did, became this producer, engineer guy, and he's brilliant at it, and he's the hardest worker I've ever met. And then I got out of school and just didn't have anything to do. I, like, had a job. Doing what? I moved to Montgomery, Alabama for six months to drive my friend's flatbed truck to pick up used vegetable oil <laughs> to and then i went and made biodiesel with it and uh See, it was a meth we, lab you're talking basically about. yeah it was, and words. i didn't know it i didn't know i was cooking <laughs> meth but i went and then like filled up like huge construction equipment with it and that was my job and i was figuring it out and i just was like i gotta go back to nashville tennessee so you came to nashville you studied sociology do you have a degree in sociology yeah did you so you finished Oh yeah. So you could be a teacher. You could you have a college or you could go teach sociology to high school if you wanted to. I I could I would be terrible at it, but yeah, right. I could try to do that. <laughs> That's crazy. So you do that, you move down and you know, you're delivering, you know, shampoo to I don't know, salons <laughs> or whatever whatever it is that you do. So you're down there, you're doing that and you're like, Okay, I can't do this. Yeah. Did you know you couldn't do it because of music, or did you know you just couldn't do no, it? No, I, I knew I wanted to write songs, I think, at that point. And I knew I wanted to write songs with Aaron, and I moved back up, and I started. I was like, and here's the thing, and this is how everybody gets into country music, I think, is you're like, how hard could that be? Like, how hard could it be to write a great country song? And you just start doing it, and you start doing it. And I lived with, in a house with these guys that I went to school with who were not into country music at all, and they just saw me go... Like I just said he wanted to do country music and he's doing it. And they didn't like the music I was writing, but they were really cool about it. Like I'd be in the middle of the day just like plucking away at these songs that weren't very good that I thought were great with Aaron and Joey Hyde and Matt McGinn. And they just were cool with it. And they'd be like, what'd you do today, man? And I'd play it for them. And they'd be like, that's cool. But we just kind of put our heads down 
and said, I want to write, we, we, we want to write country songs. Did you realize it probably is a lot harder than you thought it was going to be? Oh, yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> it's, impos- it's impossible. It's still impossible. <laughs> like, you, you don't understand how, I, I say this all the time, like, you never, once you get your foot in there, you realize how difficult it is to, like, it's the loneliest thing ever to try to get your foot in the door here. And I always tell people, like, find your people. Like, don't ask don't find somebody who has a lot of success and ask them to write because you're not going to write their best song and they're not going to help you write your best song. It's like you, you find people that are like-minded because it's so lonely to like get good at this and to get at a spot where like people notice you that you got to have those people there to like keep you wanting to do it. And we just kind of put our heads down and wrote songs and then made some demos some really bad demos and then came back and wrote some more songs and made some more bad demos and eventually like played some writers rounds and then got a little attention. How long and some is meetings. all this taking? Like you're talking about, you know, you're saying so it So I got a school out of school in 2009 and I signed my first publishing deal in 2012. So you spent a couple years. Two years to... basically getting good enough to get my foot in the door. As you were riding in Nashville, did you have any jobs here to eat? Like, how were oh, you, yeah. How I worked were you eating? At, so I took my degree and I had this contract job. I, I'll, I'll always remember this. I did it even after I wrote, started writing songs at this place on 12th Avenue called United Methodist Communications. And I did research for them from like 8 a.m. until 11 a.m. when I had to go write. And what kind I, of research? I like wrote surveys and did stats work. It was oh, so, so really like, so boring. So at a desk, you're working at a desk. Oh yeah, probably thinking the whole time like, oh, I can't wait to get here to go actually do the job that's really going to pay me nothing, but hopefully will be my career. Oh yeah, and then even after I got my deal, I was so nervous about actually making money. Like I am at Universal Publishing, but I signed there. I still kept the job for like three years. I'd go there every morning. Wow, before. really? Yeah, because you're just terrified that. Like, oh, I get it. As soon as I'm still terrified. Like you still yeah. have to be terrified. You're still, you're like, oh my gosh, at my, any minute, my options away. up. At any minute, mm-hmm. all the, with the creative, at any minute, it could all go away. At any minute, it could all come a thousand pounds, greatness too, but even that could go away. Like I've just seen it happen to so. I've seen much smarter, more talented, funnier people than me not make it. And then I've seen people that have made it so, and then lost it all. Yeah. And it's just a weird thing to be in a creative industry. But if we didn't love what we did, with all of our hearts, and it wasn't our only option to do it, we couldn't, and we wouldn't do it. And that's what I tell people all the time. They're like, how do I be a comedian? And I'm like, well, this is what I do. I go up there and I suck, but I love sucking. Right. Well, let me rephrase that. I go up there <laughs> and I bomb, but I love bombing to the point to where I get good. Mm-hmm. How, do, you know, how do you get to be on the radio? How do you get in? I love it so much that, I, I, you know, there were, there were tw- uh, 29 jobs I did not get in radio. Yeah. Before I got my like my first real one, and now I have the biggest country show in the in the United States. It's not because I'm the. It's just because I just kept on. The yeah. key, the key's just keeping on and keep growing. I, here's a song. This is the first one that I knew from you, and it was a monster too. So this is uh, "Lonely Tonight," and this is uh, Blake Shelton, and one of my like I love Ashley Monroe. Me too. Like, oh, man, like she was. Just a heart on her yeah. is so good. I voted for her for album of the year last year for CMAs just because I, or one of, whatever the one for of Blade. Yeah, I just I was like, what's the album of the year? And I was like, well, that's the one I listen to the most, so I'm going to vote for that one. Uh, it, music's great, but just as a person, I voted for her, a Queen of England actually, different, different <laughs> election. But so 
Uh, Blake and Ashley had the song, but you wrote this with who? My friend Brent Anderson. Two man right. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you guys got you must have got paid like crazy. Okay, here is Lonely Tonight. This is Ryan Hurd's. Uh, Like it's Blake and it's a big name and it's actually I, here's my story about this because I want to know how this came together but I was sitting at dinner and I don't keep a lot of artist friends because I, I like to be objective and if it's not good I just can't go on the air and say it's good Right. and I was sitting with Ashley at dinner and it was just her and I and she was like I got this song and she goes that's not mine it's Blake's but I'm going to be on it I just they just offered me the, the duet to it and it's called Lonely Tonight she goes it's so good and she goes man I hope that this is a single she goes because I feel so strongly about this song and you know Ashley is very traditional sounding and she was like it's a little not right up my alley but it feels so good to do and it was freaking Blake Shelton mm-hmm. like if Blake Shelton wanted to do a farting duet I'd probably do it with him <laughs> like, so um, she was like I just feel so good about this song and this says a um, I don't know how many weeks before it ever came out, but she was telling me about it. And then I remember hearing it the first time and going, wow. So you, this song comes, and you, you and you, who, who wrote it with you? Brent Anderson. Okay, so tell me about, where were you when you wrote this we song? We just wrote it in a writer's room, kind of like, like this, and we wrote it. And we were excited enough to show his publisher, Seagale, which is Brad, Brad Paisley's publishing company. And uh, we walked down, we play it for him, and like, this is great, this is great. And it wasn't originally a duet. There was this like weird like echo part, which is where she sings now. But it was this really weird thing that we kind of Brent definitely wrote that part, and uh, we just like everything was cool about it except for that. I'm just kidding. I, I wrote that part, but <laughs> it was this weird echo part, and we got to the studio to cut the vocal, and I was like, dude, this is a duet. This space. You is made a, the decision in the studio to switch the song to a duet. Yeah, Brent and I did. Yeah, and. We called our friend Sarah Hayes, who's an artist in town and a killer songwriter. She wrote, she's on that Jennifer Nettles single right now, and she wrote Carrie's song. And she's fantastic. But she came in, and we wrote that while she was on the way to the studio. We had to write the lyrics for it, which is like the really simple lyrics. And as the whole time we're cutting this vocal, I was like, is that too simple? Is that too simple? And it turns out it's like the most accessible part of the song. And I'm really glad we made it a duet. So you made it a duet. Okay, so you guys cut the song sure. as a demo. Yeah. Did you know where it was going first? No, because uh, <laughs> it got pitched to Warner over and over for Blake Shelton. I don't know how all this stuff always happens. It's always in the dark to me. But Rebecca Gordon at Warner Brothers held it twice and showed Scott Hendricks. For Blake. Producer. So they held it like maybe this will be a song. Yeah. They let it go. They let. Then they held it again. They showed his producer, Scott Hendricks, again. And he's like, I don't want that. Let it go. Let it go. And then he gets M- he gets directly MP3'd the song from a publisher. And they're like, you got to take a look at this song if you haven't heard it. Blake he's does. like, I, no, Scott Hendricks okay. again. Again. He's like, I love this. How have I not heard this yet? Again. You're <laughs> talking about... He, Three times. And then maybe he, it was just the computer he was on. I don't know. I don't know how this there. stuff works. You know, half, like getting a song on a record is like getting like 10 coin flips to go your way. 
And then getting it on the radio is like getting 10 more. So that's the next step. You, okay, so Blake says it's no longer – because there's the step of writing it. Then there's the step of getting on a hold, which means you're not on the record yet. Yeah, hold is mean, holding a song just means you can't show this to anybody else. You're not supposed to. I'm holding it. I got dibs. So I've got dibs until I turn it down. Exactly. So at that point, they had dibs on it till they turned it down. Sure. But then you hear a lot of noise like, we're definitely doing this. Okay, where did that come from? Where did you hear it first? And, we, it, and do you know it was Blake? He was like, I'm in. Yeah, we, just the day that they were – we knew the day they are going back into cut. And then, you know, as – the my friend Derek Wells plays guitar for all of Blake's stuff, plays on almost everybody's stuff. And he uh, he was texting me from the studio, like, cutting your song right now, buddy. Oh, so you knew. So I knew it was happening. Dude, Inside Source, you got, like, <laughs> making a murderer inside <laughs> deal over here. You always have to have somebody that you know. And at this point, I, you know everybody. Are you so excited, by the way, that Blake? Yeah, I mean, that's that was... I mean, I, I've had my song cut by a lot of people, but when you have a name like that, that's like a... That's no matter if it's on the radio or anyone even ever hears it. That's like your little piece of country music history, no matter what. So that and it gives you so much like validation and so much credibility. And, you know, you can get you can your publisher can go out and say, like, Ryan just got a Blake Shelton cut. And that's a huge deal. Which gets you bigger rights. Oh, yeah. And better rights and more. It's currency. It's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it, when you get it. So. Did you know Ashley Monroe was on this song? And at what point? Actually, I knew she was going to be on it before because she called my publisher and was like, can I write with the guys that wrote this song? So she ended up writing with me and Aaron, who's my producer, Just and she talked about it the entire time. We wrote a cool song that day too. Uh, but she talked about being on this song over and over and how, how much it meant to her because she was just putting the blade out or she hadn't quite yet, and she had, you know, it, it's hard for someone who's a, like more of a traditional country music person to get on the radio a whole lot. It's just the way that it is. It always has been that way in the last 10 years or whatever. So she was so excited. And I don't know. I love Ashley. I've gotten to know her through it, and she's just a really gentle, has, has like this gentle spirit that's so cool, and she's so into what she does. It's so like she's staunch honest. about she's it. She's honest. Yeah, she it. cuts it's great songs. She's a great writer, but... Yeah, so that was I met her through that, through her hearing the song and wanting to be on it. And then she we got to be friends through that. So that happens, they cut it. Now, it's single time. Sure. Okay, and everybody who cuts a song on any record, they want to be the single. Oh yeah. So where how how in the world does this song get picked and where, where were you? They so they put out Neon Light first and uh which is awesome. Did you think maybe you had a chance to be the they, first single? They kind of whispered at it being a single. And also, if you see a record label, a record company put out a duet with both partners on the same label, it means you don't have to go ask for single rights from another label. Okay. So it's a little easier for them to just go put it right out. So because Blake and Ashley are on the same record label, it was kind of like they were setting it up not only as a single for him, but as sort of like a launch pad a for launch, her. right. And so we kind of heard whispers the entire time that it would be second. And then like, Three weeks before Neon Light went number one, they told us that it would be the single. And then they told us that, like, two weeks later, a week that they were dropping the single the night of the CMA Awards, and they were performing it on the CMA Awards. Wow. So we were all at a party. I remember it was me, a whole bunch of people, just friends that are writers that are that do this with me, all sitting at... It was Tin Roof across from the, the arena. There's a big party that some publishers throw, and we watched it happen live on the broadcast and then the next day it went for ads surreal when you watched it 
Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd seen one time my song on TV before. I had the Swan Brothers' first single uh, later on, and they played it on The Voice. I like those guys, but let's be real. That's not Blake and Ashley. Oh, it was The Voice, so it kind of was Blake. But no, well, it still wasn't Blake. No, but, no, I mean, that's a that's a, a career highlight. I mean, it God, always will dude, be. That'd be always... crazy. You're sitting in a bar watching, like, and you know it's about to be the single, too. And I had a guy talking to me through it the entire time. He had no idea. Oh, and he wouldn't shut up? He just was talking like we were having a conversation, and I'm watching the TV, and I'm just like, not. I remember this. I remember him being right here. And then, like, halfway through the solo, he's like, Oh, did you write this song? And I looked at him, I was like, Yeah. He's like, Oh. And he disappears. My bad. My bad. My yeah. bad. So then it goes, and then it, it's not just a hit. I mean, it's a smash. Well, thank you. So, and no, that's dad. I, I mean, you're welcome. But, I mean, people loved it. And, I mean, it was. You know, it was the country booty call song. Like, it really was. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's something everybody related it's to. a theme. And people, yeah, it is now. And people love Blake. And it was one of his, and he had so many number ones in a row. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you this first. Was there pressure <laughs> that was going to be maybe his not first number one? Even though it was a great song, you, you, didn't, you didn't want to run the streak. You know, I yeah, I thought about that. And you don't realize how bad you want it until you're right there. And you're like, man, when you have a song, on, and hopefully I'm old enough now to know, like, not to live and die by this, but you're watching it and it gets up to three and it gets up to two. And I remember talking to some people at big machine and they're like, we're going for a second week at Thomas Rhett. And I forget which one it was. It was the, uh, I can't remember. I'm blanking on two songs. I usually don't do that, but I remember being there. Like, I can't believe they're going for a second week on this. No one ever does Which that. Is irritating because nobody does it. No one ever goes for a second week. And if they do, it's always week. cleared, and they're not fighting someone for a number one spot. Right. And and so I just remember being like, how can you do that? This is my first one. Like like Scott Borchetta would like that goes into his thinking. It's like Ryan really wants a number <laughs> you know what, one song. Ryan heard once that some guys are back off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I remember watching it, and I remember they told me like, we'll know at twelve. It's at, sitting at two. He's at one, and you can kind of watch the media base. You can watch the charts in real time on the internet. They're five minutes. I can watch them, yeah. Yeah, and so you, you watch it, and you're like, I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. And then, like, the radio people call, and they're like, we're calling this a number one. We're calling this a number one. And we'll know officially at midnight. And so I'm sitting there at midnight like, cool. We'll know officially at midnight. And at midnight comes, and I call my publisher, and he's doesn't pick up. And I call my other publisher, and they don't pick up. And I call oh, everybody, and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't know until, like, 5 a.m. Just wake up. In the morning, oh, we'll tell because you. because of West Coast. Yeah. So I was like, I kind of was like losing my mind a little bit. It was crazy. And, but, you know, when you wake up and, and you do have a number one song, it's like. Oh, you went to sleep? You, you say when you wake you up. Had so you had to. You did go to sleep? Yeah. I wouldn't went to sleep. You, yeah. And you go, uh, but like you move here to get, that's what you do is you move here to have, to be a hit songwriter and to have number one songs. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have like, everything that you could possibly have happened to you as a songwriter already happened to me. Like I've had songs get held and let go. I've had song, I've, written, I've had songs get cut by great artists. I've had songs get on the radio and die at 53. I've had songs get a top 20, top 15, top 10. And then to have one actually ring the bell is a miracle. It's all it is. It's very cool. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool that you had to wait. Now it's cool that you had to wait. Like, right then, it's not that cool. Yeah, it makes but you want another makes, one. Yeah, you know, and it's a better story, and it makes you appreciate it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that, man. Thanks. So, I knew you'd written that one. I'm going to tell you, the first time, like, 
I talk about friends. Dirks is a friend of mine. Yeah. If I needed cash or a ride from six hours away, he would drive and pick me up, and I would do the same for him. Right. Like, he's that good of a dude. We're both a little awkward, so we work well together. So um, he was like, hey, I want to send you uh, Black, the album. It was probably three months or so before it was out. And he's like, give me your honest feedback. And I'm like, dude, if you say that, I'm going to. Right. Because it's better to be honest than it is to be nice. Because you know with honesty, you can always just trust what you're if – so, If I say something bad about – I'm not even bad. If it's something like that's not positive about something, you can trust it. When I say something good, I mean it. Yeah. And my opinion is not always right. And I always say that too. Like an opinion is just what it is. And with things in the creative world, if anyone says their opinion is right, then they're absolutely wrong. There is no universal right in anything creative. So I said, sure, send me black. Love to hear it. Let's see what happens. He sends me that, right? Yeah. And I go, dude, this I'll Be the Moon song, best song on the record. Like, this is it. Like, I know it won't be the first single because it's a to do it. Yeah. But this is the best song on the record. But and I started thinking like whoever wrote this song, where in the world is it? Because I wonder where people's minds are when they write songs yeah. like this. Um, so this is a you. This is a you song. Yeah, here. I wrote "I'll Be the Moon." Uh, man, this song. I this is the best song I think I've ever written. Would you say you would say that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This song's. I don't know. I man. I, talk about it for a day that's why it's hard to say one thing about it it's don't like, say one say ten like we oof. uh i just first of all this song we wrote in like less than an hour who's with i wrote it with heather morgan and matt dragstrom love heather morgan like great they just yeah. throws out things she says in her She's songs amazing. and i'm like i would she says things in her songs that as I watch comedians, I wish, I'm like, oh, I, I was thinking that. I just couldn't say that. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I'm in the middle of, I'm always thinking about, like, why we do this. Like, why? Well, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this, like, what I'm supposed to be doing? If it's writing songs or cutting, whatever. I don't know. And, and this song was like, you have to write 900 songs to get to this one, if that makes sense. And I sat down, and Heather was late because she was doing traffic school on the internet. Ticket? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Matt just sits down, and he had that shuffle beat thing, like that, I can't beatbox. But it's like the 6-8 time thing, and, and I just started playing this acoustic guitar. He's got this really cool, like, ringy acoustic, like, Gibson acoustic guitar in his in his office. And Matt and I went to school together, and, We've been to Mexico to write songs. We're really close. And uh, I just started playing this finger-picky thing, and that's not usually what I do. And I just remember that that idea popped, that title popped in my head. And it was like, I'll be the moon. And I don't know where it came from. And people say, like, they fall out of the sky. And that was a moment where it did. So as you wrote this, it wasn't like you having a story of you being the other dude or you being the dude with another dude or... I don't know, man. Uh no, it's not. I it's think so there's, dark. There's yeah, and that's yeah. I, if, you know. There's a lot of music that I've written it's that is so dark. I think there's a difference between real songs and true songs. Like it might not be all the way true, but it also is so real. And it that's a story that people have, and it's a story that I don't know. It's like the thing where you want what you can't have, and that's a really difficult thing. And I, man, a lot of that stuff is just. I mean, like loving a bar and all this other stuff. Like yeah, that's my life. Like. 
that's how Marin and I got to know each other. We've known each other for three years writing songs, but you know, like we, you know, when we were starting to see each other, it was like, it was in a bar and it was, I know the bar. I know. Is that why you wrote love in a bar? Was that what it was based on? Oh yeah. That was a, that was a pretty, that's a pretty true story word for word. But that I, I heard the first time I heard I'll be the moon. Like I don't, Again, like you said, I don't know that feeling, yeah. but there are certain songs that go deeper than just like the epidermis of the skin. Sure. And it's just like, oh, man, like it's a dude, and he's like, I know that I can't be your main one, but I love you so much that I'll be, I'm okay with being your second one because I have that much for you, yeah. and I hurt for him, and I don't even know who he is. It's like, I'll take everything that you can give me, even if it's not everything. And I just, I remember, like, Heather shaping the second verse, and it, it's, you know, it's like when she has to leave the bar, and it's like, phone lights up in the dark, gotta go, I know, but it's, it still ain't easy. And that, when I wrote it, it wasn't a duet. That was not definitely not a duet, and I cut it for my record, and then, you know, if it wasn't Dirk Bentley, it wouldn't have come out on anybody else. It just, I didn't have a deal at the time it, for the songwriter, for Heather and Matt's sake too, especially it's like, you cannot turn down Dirk Bentley. And I don't think there's an artist artistically that I would have wanted to do that song other than him. Just like, because that'll he's be such a single. Incredible man. I hope and so. And if but, it's not who, I mean, and I say this for me cause it's not my money, Yeah. but people, people that, that is, probably the most powerful song on that record Thank and I you. hope you find some sort of like awesomeness inside of that oh I do and I, I hope I don't sound like I'm like upset about that I'm thrilled we were that's a that's my I texted Dirks about it and was like dude this is gonna get a lot of love album wise like and he is he's nominated album of the year for CMAs but do you wish you would have kept it uh no I don't feel like that I don't feel like I wish it was different I feel like it's, I'll tell you the story. So I cut it for my record. I put out a five-song EP in town. I never put it on the internet. I put it out as a four-song EP because Dirk's recorded it. And when I record it, our recording, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound at all. It's Don't worry about how you sound. You sound great. It's Nobody's literally, taking anything. Yeah. I know. I just, it's, it's so hard because you talk about, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally the best recording that Aaron and I have ever made. And we love it so much. And, it, and Marin sings on that one too. She sang on my whole EP. Did she sing on the original? Yes. Yeah. So she sang on the original master that I don't think Dirks or Ross ever heard. They heard the demo of it, where Heather's singing on it, which is its own its its own thing. It's it's beautiful. It's so cool. But our version that we cut was like this thing that was so has so many swells and Marin singing on it with me. And then when Dirks cut it, and then I remember Marin had just started getting she got to deal with Sony and she's getting moving and everything is happening for her and she's getting a lot of really great attention and all of a sudden we were sitting at a bar in February uh, Melrose on 8th Avenue and we had a beer and both of us had like a dark day I, I don't remember what it was but we were sitting there and we were talking and she had a beer and I had a beer and her phone was in between us and this is kind of funny too but it, it lights up and it's just a number that she doesn't know and it says hey Marin this is Dirk Bentley I got your number from Corin Capshaw who's, who's my manager too by the all, way. Of, yeah. all of your managers yeah. he goes I have this song that I'd love for you to consider singing with me as a duet it's uh, for, on my new record. Would you mind if I said it over to you? She didn't know. She had no idea that it was already like you and her. She'd already sang it. He or, had no idea that she knew that's the song crazy. or that she, uh, he, her and I had started seeing each other and we're sitting there and she, we looked at each other. It was like right in between us. Obviously I read it. And, <laughs> uh, so she looks at me and she goes, I bet that's your song. And I was like, I bet that is my song. And 
two seconds later, an email comes up and it's just says, it says Dirk Bentley at the top and just says, I'll be the moon. Crazy, dude. Wow. Universe, we, dude. That's yeah. the universe. And so she like, I don't know, she gets asked every day to do stuff like that. But that's the first person that asked her to do, I think the first person that asked her to do something. And she immediately was like, of course I'll do it. She turned me down to do our comedy record. She was one of the only... She turned me, and I was cool with it too. But she turned me down. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, oh, because I'm a huge fan. Like I yeah. was like, man, I'm gonna do it. Whatever. The only two people that turned it down was my ex girlfriend, and that was for personal reasons. And Carrie Underwood filled her spot, and then Marin turned me down for a song. Huh. And I'm still. That was. Yeah, I'm still. I'm like, sure you'll have your chance. What? I'm a huge. I'm gonna call Dirks by the way. Let's see if he even answers. Because that would. That's such a cool story. Oh, I've my my cell phone up. Let's see if, <laughs> if Dirks answers here. Um. Let's, now that we got it. He made it with the kids. I hate calling him this late. Doesn't he number one right now? Yeah. Number one song? Different for girls. He's probably, right he's probably telling him. That's why he thinks you're calling. Yeah. But that, that's crazy that you were with her when you got the text saying, hey, Marin. Yeah. You should sing this song. And it was a song she already knew, and it was her dude. That's and she'd already sung the master with me the first time. Crazy. It's you know the cool part is that like we've her and I have made music together for the last two years. We were friends. We had other people that we. So were you guys with. were way friends before you dated. Like you guys, we were songwriters. Just and we wrote like we have cuts with other people together. And she's got I have a song on her record, and she has one on. Mine What's your song on her record? I Wish I Was. Oh, dude, that's a jam. Yeah, and it's the first song that she held as an artist. We wrote it, which is, to me, I don't know. I love being a part of it. Let me ask you about that song, because what's in my head? I was listening to it, actually driving back down here. So that song, to me, I Wish I Was. Because, you know, I'm a huge Marin fan, too. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, and so, I Wish I Was is like a song about someone who wishes they could be what the other person wants them to be, but they can't. Yeah, it's like, I wish that I could still love you, but I can't. And I kind of feel bad about the fact yeah. that I can't still love you, but I just can't do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And I relate to that song because I've had some. I've had the most awesome girl. That's one of those songs that I like. A few songs speak to me in my life. Seven or eight songs really speak to mm-hmm. me. John Mayer, "Stop This Train," speaks to me. Yeah, you know there are songs. Uh, Walker Hayes has a new song called "The Comedian." Heck, yeah, that song's so good. Dude, I'll, it's talk about it, Walker forever. It, Walker's like my. I mean, again, you like your girlfriend does. It's a, oh, dude, but your girlfriend does. Yeah. That's my, that's the one where I, I was trying that's to, a jam. Like, I was trying to write that song like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, man. I was like, we should get, this is a terrible idea. And I told Mary, and she's like, that's the stupidest idea. It's like, we should get uh, t shirts that say, uh, your girlfriend loves We Do Us. And she, it, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but like the next week, I he came out with that. That song, which is perfect, exactly. I could never have that Walk Race project, both the EPs, and you know, I play them on the air. Oh yeah, and I'm like, guys, this is the next level. Okay, every program director can be mad at me for playing it, but you know, I started out with Where My Shades At. That was part of the first track, and then now, you know, Break the Internet fits in well with a lot of the stuff that we do. But the comedians about, and again, I talk about songs that speak to me. And the, the the thing of the song is, you know, the people that make people laugh the most are usually the most sad inside. And I fought that for a lot of my life. I fought. Yeah. Being the guy that really tries to entertain because I have a lot of insecurities and a lot of sadness um, inside. And so I try to be that guy. And when he wrote that song, and I text him immediately, and I was like, dude, like, I almost cried because of a song that I heard. I've never, this, like, you spoke to me, and you had no idea that you were speaking to me by writing a song. 
that Walker Hayes stuff is next level. It's brilliant. Uh, That's a not not a word you should throw around too much. Agree, in Nashville, but it's brilliant. It's and and people don't even realize it yet. And in a year, people will be like, "Why did not? Why do we not yeah. get on this Walker Hayes thing?" They will. And so um, that song speaks to me. And the back to the one I would the, the song that you're married. That song speaks to me Thank because you. I'm such a jackass. And I say it. <laughs> I've had no, the, it's the normal. I've had the best girlfriends, and yeah. I'm 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 a pile of crap. I don't treat them like crap. I really try to treat humans the best that I can treat them. But there's become a point with my past girlfriends where I just knew I wasn't good enough for them. I knew yeah. I couldn't give them what they needed as far as love because I'm broken. I know I'm broken. I gotta find. I've got to fix myself. And so, I wish that I could have given them what they deserved. And that song, I didn't know you wrote that song. It's yeah. crazy because now I'm like, you're like my therapist right now. <laughs> I, I hear that song and I'm like, God, dude, that that's just me talking to like my last three or four girlfriends that were so great. So as you write that song, like, what are you guys talking about as it's coming together? I mean, I think we we're both going through breakups and yeah she was definitely and uh it was the last song we wrote in 2014 uh yeah and the hook is i'm not the one but i wish i was like i'm I, I i'm not your person anymore i wish i could be but i just can't uh and you know that we wrote it with natalie hemby and just that Marin does that soul thing so well that just that oh, 60s Oh, this South by Southwest. Keep going. Yeah, I'm <laughs> uh, apparently listening to some live South by Southwest Spotify session. All right, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, yeah, it's she's so good at that '60s and the '70s like Motown thing, and that's just kind of where it started. And she had just kind of decided like I'm tired of people telling me like that they can't sing my song. Like they're like I love this, I just can't physically sing it. That, that happened to her a lot, and she was like I I just I want to start playing again I want it. I don't want to be just a writer and that was a cool moment for her and a cool moment for me to watch happen and like, we were just a creative partnership at that point and uh, I don't know this one was the first song On paper we oh, it's so good it's so good, so good dude yeah. this is the first song that she held as an artist which for, special to me I got to sing the harmonies on that too. This is you? Yeah. I'm not the hero in the story. I'm not the girl that gets the glory. Cause you're looking for true love and I'm not the one. But I wish, but I wish I was. It's such a weird relationship just in the song because... She's the villain, but she's actually the good guy at the same time. Yeah. She can't give it to you. Sorry, but I'm going to be honest about it. I wish it was me, but it's not. Yeah, and it's the title of the record, too. I mean, her record's Hero, and she's, I don't know, the way she describes it is really cool. She's like, I'm not the hero in this story, but I am the hero in mine. And it's just really, like, self-empowering thought to, to, to like, know yourself enough to say, like, I can't be with you anymore. You're like, Speaks to me, man. You have to be, a, like, your Speaks own hero. She talks about it all the time. Like, be your own hero. I can't be yours. I'm sorry. It's, it's a, I'm really proud of that song. I'm proud to be on that record. It's obviously got a lot of attention and a lot of, you know, critical acclaim and nominations and stuff like that. And that's like me as a writer. Like, man, I'm on, I think, four or five number one records this year. I never thought that would happen. And I'm on 
you know, two of the five CMA nominated records of the year with like relatively like get so black. You're songs. on the black record. Yeah, I'm on Marin's record. And, and you're on Marin's record. And then the other three I'm not on. And so you should be. I'm going to probably have to talk with them for the next year. No, so I right. want to play a couple other tracks that you wrote yeah, here. Come on. So uh, these are cuts. Rascal Flats, Payback. Sure. Maybe I could be your payback. Hey, gonna help you get your what year was this? The same as Lonely Tonight. So 2014. I don't know, man. They're running together. Did they uh, come to you and say, hey, we're holding it quick and it's going to be the Rascal Flats? It was just a drug out song. Oh, they drug it out for like, well, I don't want to say it like that. It, they held it at the beginning of the process for their record, and a year later, we that's found a drug out they no, I'm going to call it. it. You can call it whatever you want, but I'm going to say that's a drug. Holy uh, cow. And they, they, uh, it came out a little different than what we had originally done, but I mean, just to be track one, and that was, Aaron and I wrote that song together with Neil Mason from the Cadillac 3, who's the drummer, and uh, man, that song made us like, sometimes songs, just because they don't go all the way to number one, it doesn't mean they didn't do a whole lot for like for me that song made us like music row famous like every publisher and every songwriter knew that song on music row because the demo was cool and it was like something people hadn't heard before and i don't know i'm really proud of this i played this live up until like this summer really yeah all right how about uh tim mcgraw this one's called last turn home yeah i wrote this with Marin, and uh this is her first cut ever and is that right? This is her first cut. This is the one she talks. She says Tim cuts her cut her first song. This is it. I didn't know this was her first song. Uh, I cut this song from my record. So like we were really hoping it would go on the radio, and you hear whispers here and there, and that happens all the time. You're like, this will be a single. This will be. A... Sometimes it's just not a single. That's what Lee Miller tells me. He goes, if they start saying it's a single real early, it probably ain't gonna be a single. Yeah, it's, that's a hard thing. But that's like what you sign up for. I actually haven't listened to this version in a long time. Well, let's listen. There's a lot of cool things. This is me singing harmony. <laughs> I cut this on my record, actually. Yeah. And, uh, I, love, I mean, this one just really, from the time moment we got it back, we were all just so excited about it. And at the time, you're like, man, I, I really want you to put this on the radio. And then it seems to be like the biggest blessing that it never actually did. Because it's, I don't know, we're talking about I'll Be The Moon being like the best song maybe I've ever written, that co-written with those guys. But this one is my favorite song I've ever written. Last Turn Home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just what it says and like, you know when you like really connect on an idea and you write songs, you know about it. Like when you like, I write terrible songs. I have this So idea. bad that Marin won't cut them with me. But listen, whatever, hey, I have this, no grudges. I have this idea and then you're just like, I think it's that feeling about like, you know, like you don't live at, we're in your hometown anymore. I don't live in my hometown anymore, but I just know the feeling of when I get to 42nd Street in Allegan, Michigan, and I take that right, and you're like, oh my God, I'm home. And like th- that feeling is very similar to a feeling you find in a person. And I. It's like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. I'm the same. Like when I fly home and I land at the airport, it's just like, oh, it's, it's like this. Weird release of oxygen, this weird weight that comes off where yeah. this comfortability comes over you. And sometimes it's not fun to be home, but it's still comfortable to be home. Yeah. And it's a person, too. I mean, that's the thing about it. Is like there, when you can take a feeling and you can put it on the end of your finger and you can be like, you feel like this. And somebody hears it and they internalize it. That's what this is all about. And that's what music's about. We can run songs up the radio and get mad over and over about like, I wish I deserved this or 
I wish that this had happened to me, or I wish this song had been a single, or this had been on the radio, or I wish I could get a record deal or a publishing deal. Man, at the end of the day, it's just music. And if the only thing that matters, it doesn't matter if it's a party song or or a ballad or this kind of love song, the only thing that matters with music is, does it make you feel something? And I think when you absolutely nail it, that that's payment enough. You don't need anything else. Well, you got to pay the bills. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm good. But <laughs> when you do, you have to, but you don't do this you, for the money. I don't do this for money. You do it because this is. Like, if we did it for money, to. we wouldn't do it. You sell insurance. There, there's no money in it when you start forever. No, it's hard. And that's why. And you know, I got kicked out of a college one time for speaking. I got banned from the university <laughs> because I went into the university, and I just like to be honest all the time. Yeah, and it gets me in trouble a lot. And so I went to the university, and there were probably 300 kids there. And they said, "Hey, come speak to them about doing radio television." And I said, um, okay. I said, hey, so um, I'm Bobby. I do. It. At the time, I was living in Austin. I, I built my own syndication company um, from with my own money from scratch, and it was in the hole for a long time. And I knew what I wanted to do, but I also knew that if you weren't absolutely set and dedicated with your entire life to doing it, making no money, that it wasn't for you. Yeah. And I was happy with my heart with doing what I was doing my whole life, struggling. One, I grew up poor. It was easy for me to be poor. Yeah. And it's easier to be poor if you know how to be poor. But I knew if I was poor the rest of my life doing what I loved, I wasn't poor. No. Like maybe I didn't have so much money, but I wasn't poor in my heart. I wasn't poor. I, wasn't, I was fulfilled. And I told him that. I said, if I were you and you're studying radio right now, get out. Stop because there's no reason to study it. Go do it. Yeah. Go intern. Go get your foot in the door somewhere. Study something else. Get, but you're wasting – they sent a letter that I'm never invited back to that college. <laughs> I was I was banned from the school for for four years maybe. You didn't fit the business model. I didn't. No, no, I did not fit the business model. Listen, I'm a pretty good speaker, but I did not fit. Yeah. So I was banned from the school. Um, but you're right. There, if you're doing it to pay the bills, don't do it. If you find something you love, this is what I've heard, and I've felt, and I've grown into. You, you find something you love, you work harder at it. You work harder at it, you get better at it. You get better at it. You'll start to reap those rewards that you didn't really plan on getting at the beginning, but yeah. they just kind of come with sticking with it, loving and improving, yeah. and taking coaching and surrounding yourself with better people. Very few people I know that are just so good that walk out and go, "I'll take it." All right, it's all mine. Yeah, it's always the iceberg of there's so many no's and awful things, and you suck and anger and jealousy, and the very tip of it's like, "Oh, you made it, overnight success." Yeah, and it's like, man, if you had any idea. That of everybody I know, listening to you here, like people may just know you as, and we're gonna get back to your new, the new Ryan Hurd stuff in a second. They're like, oh, there's this new guy named Ryan Hurd that just popped in the Nashville scene. I got news for you, he's been around you know, busting his yeah. butt for a long time. And so that's kind of the, the theme when people come in and we talk that's like, man, you just kill it and kill it and kill it, and you're okay with killing yourself over it because you love it. Oh, yeah. And then when it hits, you're like, this is amazing. I get to do what I love, and I've got to. I get to pay a car payment because of what I love. Yeah. Here is uh, the Swan Brothers later on. Yeah, man, this is the first song we ever had go on the radio that I did. It wrote with Joey Hyde, Justin Wilson. And they play on TV, this one? Yeah, and we yeah. had a party, and it was so fun. I'm a voice. What this one get to on the charts, you remember? It, like, Backdoor 11. Like, yeah, it sat there for a long time. It was, I don't know, it was awesome. Those are good dudes. Two good Oklahoma dudes right there. Great yeah. to me, man. All right, 
And uh, one more cut. This is Jake Owen, Surefire Feeling. This is my first cut. This is it. Yeah, and Jake's really always been such a great dude to me. And we're kind of buddies now. I went surfing on his boat a couple times over Labor Day, and I don't know, always been, he's always taken me out to write, and I wrote this with Steve Mokler. Oh, yeah. And uh, Matt McGinn. Steve's wife, Gracie, is best friends with Amy and my co-host. Yeah. 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 It's such a small world, right? Yeah, it's a like small the- town. So, Surefire Feeling, you, this is your first one where they ever say, hey, this is going on a record. Yeah, it was it happened quick, too. Like, I signed at Universal, and kind of this song came in, and I didn't think anything of it. And, like, I think this was, like, three or four months into my deal. And, it, you know, that, that getting that, it went on his EP, summer EP, and then on his Days of Gold record. It was awesome. I'd, you know, that's huge to get that big of a cut right out of the gate. I mean, and that relationship's been amazing. Jake's always, I think Jake's a fantastic artist. I love the songs he's chosen. I love, always have loved his production. And uh, just, he's always been, I don't know, he'd sent me, left me a message recently. Just like, hey man, I'm really proud of you for putting We Do Us out. I'm jamming it right now. I don't know, just little stuff like that. Like, you don't have to do that. And that means a lot to me. He's always just, Supported me in a huge way. Jake was like the first guy I knew here for uh, for many reasons. Uh, multi- uh, mutual friends. Let's see if he'll answer. We'll call Jake on see if he'll get his take. Everybody should be. What's up, dude? Hey, I'm with <laughs> Ryan Hurd right now. We're, we're doing an interview at my house. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're talking about you. Do you have anything you want? By the way, it's Jake Owen here on the, on the show. Um, What's up? We're talking about his first ever cut, Surefire Feeling, which you cut. And he said he's been surfing on your boat. I just kind of wonder your thoughts to our listeners here. Just in general about this dude, Ryan Hurd. Ah, well, um, first off, man, I'm glad you called. Um, and secondly, uh, I love Ryan. He knows that. And um, I, I think, you know, obviously, like you said, that song Surefire Feeling that he wrote that was on um, the Endless Summer EP that I did. Uh, I just, the minute I heard that song, I loved it. And then, obviously, one of the reasons I think all artists sometimes love songs when they hear them is you hear the guy singing it that wrote it. And uh, Ryan's just got such a cool, unique voice. Um, I couldn't understand why, you know, the person that was singing at that time, why that guy wasn't, you know, on the radio. But soon enough, everybody's going to hear Mr. Ryan Hurd on the radio, and uh, and I'm happy for him. I couldn't be happier for the guy. Well, I appreciate that. How you, you good? Yeah, dude. I'm out in L.A., actually. I'm I thought, I thought you went on vacation. How, I was, you... how was Costa Rica? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Costa Rica was, was amazing. But uh, I, I'm out here in L.A. I got to do Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow night. So I got to do. Come on. Yeah. You, I, oh, life I sucks. I got to do it. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say that. I, I'm lucky to do it is what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you get a crowd for that one too, right? Yeah. yeah you, must be pretty, you must be pretty special, Ryan. I mean, I never got the invite over Bobby's house for the, for the Bobby's house radio show. <laughs> I think maybe you're just too busy for it, yeah, man. I don't man, know. Dude, you, I got nothing you, going on Jake, you got like go a there. you got a record and stuff, dude. I'll, I'll let the, you know, we just saw each other. Yeah, I'll tell you what. When you get home, let me know you come over to the Bobbycast. All right, man. All right, bud. Talk to you soon, bud. See you guys. Bye-bye. Jake, so Jake is really good friends with – so one of my best friends, uh, like literal best friends, like you you have your your top A echelon friends, uh, is Andy Roddick. And so as – he plays tennis. Yeah, yeah, of course. So Andy Roddick grew up and played tennis with another guy, and they grew up together, and Jake was in his wedding – and so Andy was like, hey, you moved to Nashville. You got to know Jake. And so him and he called Jake, and Jake was totally cool. And like before I knew anybody, Jake was like, dude, come on. Let's go. I'll show you some places around. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know much about Jake. I was like, all right, there's a dude long hair showing me around Nashville. It's so, the same way with me. Just like, hey, you want to come write some songs on my bus? Like, 
yeah, and I'd been on a bus like once or twice before, but it, yeah, just his bus, not his crew bus, not his band bus, his bus. It was awesome. And then Jay got really drunk once at a bar, and some listener came up to him in Dallas and was like, hey, I heard you on Bobby Bone. Jeff was like, Bobby Bone sucks. <laughs> and he was like, that, that guy sucks. And I was like, Jake, what are you talking trash for? So we didn't talk for like a month, but now we're like best buds again. It's like friends. You can get into a fight. That's how you know you get a friend when you can get into a fight and then not and then be over with again. I was like, dude, why you guys say I suck? I was drunk, dude. My bad. I've had nights like that too. Like, uh, I, I, feel, just, I feel for him on that one. I was way, I was way drunk. Yeah. Are you uh, like the universe has a place for you kind of guy? Uh, I don't know about that. I yeah, probably. I don't know. I could get pretty fluffy on you about stuff that I believe, but man, I I think that the yeah, there's something about being exactly where you're supposed to be. Something about being like. I don't know. There's hard days where you're just like, man, what am I doing in Iowa again? I've played Iowa five times this year. And you're just like, man, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And it just gives you this calming feeling about it. Like, especially with like relationships and, you know, music and art. It's like, man, I, I'm, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that, so, yeah, I guess I am. Do you find it annoying that I text you? No, not at all. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm annoying him because I'm like, I don't want to bother him, but I'm like, oh, I got this thought, this feeling right now. I want to text Ryan this feeling. No, I, I, I dig it. I sent you that article the other day too. Because we talked, when we talked, talk, I talked about it on my last. Uh, did you really? With Chip Eston from Nashville, I was like, I got this article by John because and he didn't quit, and it, yeah, yeah. What was that? He talked about his he, mo- his mom said leave. Yeah, or not not to leave. He was gonna leave New York. He said it, his mom made him. He's, Said you're if you his mom said she would never tell him to quit his dream, but he had to promise if he didn't have anything going on in two years that he would do something else because she wanted to. She said, "I'm not going to be the one who's going to tell you to stop your dream. You need to be the one to, to know when to stop." But I love that article because it made me feel like it. I related to it where he's like, "Man, I live a lottery ticket life," and I feel like that, like getting to do creative work for a living. I don't have another job anymore. This is it. Getting to make music in Nashville, Tennessee, that's a lottery ticket life. I don't care if you make $2,000 a month on your draw or if you, make, if you just sold your catalog for $4 bucks. Like, That's a special thing. That's what, like, think about people who make just billionaires who wish that they were musicians. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me it's, that um, we get to do this. To make it in Nashville is almost like making it as a first baseman of the Yankees or a supermodel. It's that people, it looks easy because there, you know, there are a few of them out there, but some. This town is littered with excellence. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah. crazy. Um, so, yeah, it's just what well, people come into town and they just walk down through Broadway and they're like, wow, these guys can really sing. I'm like, yeah, you're nothing. Like, I get just in the studio and the greatest get to come through and I get to watch them three feet from me. And I'm just like, I'm blown away. And at times you get jaded by stuff and I get jaded. And we all get jaded if we're around in a while. Oh, but yeah. then Garth comes in and resets you. <laughs> and then. Yeah. You know, and even with Marin, you know, uh, which by the way, I wasn't even going to bring it up. She was your girlfriend. Like, I, I was, I wasn't going to talk about that at all. But you brought it up. So um, even with her, I was like, first time I heard, I was her EP. I was, I was like, holy crap! Like, there's just something about this that's not like anything else. Right. And so I remember having her in before she had a song on radio, and I was like, hey, I know you think this is weird, but would you come on the show? And now it's just been awesome to see her pop. What would she say about you as a songwriter? What would she say about me? As a songwriter. I don't know. I have, you don't know. I can call her. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, I don't know. As a writer, we, I'm really good at like letting her roll and like knowing when she's on something. So like when we're writing together, like I'm, 
as a songwriter, I, I like to take the steering wheel. And I'm like, I have never written for other people. And that's a weird thing about being a professional songwriter. It's like, I always wrote for myself, threw it all up against a wall and said, if anybody wants to record these, have at it. Which is sort of like I should have been an artist a long time ago, maybe. If, that's, if I've only written in that way. But I love watching, like as a songwriter, especially with Marin. I, you know, she hears all my demos and stuff, and she tells me which ones she loves. And Does she, she ever say you don't like one of them? Uh, I sent one the other day, and she goes, that's cool. Not my favorite out of all of that you've done. <laughs> I think that's what she said. It was like the K of the text message. K. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but she listens to it all, and she's really, I, she's seriously my he, my biggest fan, musically, I, I think. Because we've always had like a really close creative partnership, but I'm really good at letting her run with stuff. And like knowing when she's in the headspace that she's like doing brilliant stuff. So... I that's saw you play the guitar skill. with her opening for Stapleton at the uh, Ryman. Oh yeah, that's cool, huh? Dude, that stage—that's a—that's a moment right there, isn't it? Just to be able to be on that stage and to sing a song. We sang "Last Turn Home," so that's yeah. She that—that that was really cool. That was cool for her to ask me to do that. It's weird because I'm going to say this too, but yes, I, I played the Ryman, and it's crazy. It's crazy. You just get this feeling. I only did one song, and you just get this feeling like I am oh, I did. Like I, I sold among ghosts. Sh- not to brag, I sold the whole show out. But, not <laughs> but no, no, it's like yes, it's like. Have you played the Aubrey yet? No. Okay, you will. Yeah. For, like no, I'm not even jinxing. Like you will play the Aubrey. Um, and people say this, and the thing is, so I played the Aubrey, and you stand on the circle, yeah. and you go, "Wow, this is really cool." The circle, because you know the history about it. I grew up in Arkansas, so my grandma was a huge Johnny Cash fan. Anybody from Arkansas? You just automatically adore because nobody gets out of Arkansas. That's kind of the rule. Yeah. So Johnny Cash from Arkansas. So my grandma and I, because my grandma adopted me for a while as a kid, and so I listened to her music, the Andy Griffith, the Johnny Carson, even the Ray Charles. And so when I played it, it was just like I felt like I was kind of doing something she wanted me to do. Yeah. But even then I felt like I really couldn't conceptualize what was really happening. Like as much as I could read about it, I don't know what it was like to be like back in the day. Listen to them. people would gather on the radio yeah. and listen to stuff at the Ryman or go to church at the Ryman. Like yeah. they would go to church at the Ryman. Yeah. They would stand in the circle in the, at the Opry. We have no idea. We. It's, it feels like you're like connecting. I don't. I haven't played the Opry, but it feels like you're connecting with this. Like I say, it's called like the collective unconscious of country music. Like you're connecting into something that's like so much bigger than any song you could ever write yourself. It's like you're you're a part of. It's really an incredible collection of ideas and thoughts and melodies and and so much bigger than you can words. understand. Like yeah. you can read all you want, and learn all you want. I, I felt like, I, and and I like to consider myself a scholar of music. Period, all formats, all kinds, uh, um, especially country and classic rock. Yeah. Um, and it's like I can read all I want. I just still don't understand as much as I can try. I feel like that's like the world with me and, and what happens after the world. And I can learn and try to study and read, and I, just, I don't know. And so what I have to realize is I don't know, so I've got to be okay with that and just realize that I'm just going to do the best I can. Dude, I love that because I'm, I'm very similar to that too. I mean, there, you, have to, there, you have to be okay with not knowing. You have to figure out that you just don't know. You just, and so since you don't know, don't get angry with it. Understand that you don't know and try to learn as much as you can and you can learn everything and you still don't learn anything. It's like the old Socrates story. Went all the way around the world trying to find the, the smartest guy in the world and went to all the great scholars and, and, and probably spoke to a thousand 
who claimed they were the smartest man in the world. And, and all of them were like, I'm the smartest man in the world, and here's why, here's why, here's why. And Socrates came back, and he said, I found the smartest man in the world. And they said, you found the smartest man in the world? Well, what town is he in? Where is he? He goes, it's me. And they were like, how is it you? He says, because I don't know crap. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm the smartest man in the world, because I'm the only one that gets it. I know nothing. Like as much as I can learn, my capacity is not to know. Yeah. I can't know. Anyway, we're on a whole different deep level here. No, that, we can keep going. So we can keep going there. That's fun for me. So Ryan Hurd is here. Now, We Do Us was the first song that you can download it now. Or Apple Music it. You can go it. You can stream it anyway. You can Apple Music it. Yeah. I wish you could download it because, dude, I'm telling you, when I played it, people were – I know. It would have it been a download at least a top five. I can, yeah. I can just I'm, – I'm not lying to you. People were going – you answered the phones. Yeah. Mike answered the phones. People were like, what is this song? And I was like, dude, I just wish you were able to download it because it would have yeah. been crazy. Here we go. That's We Do Us. That was the first one, and this one just came out. Depending when you're listening to this, sometimes in a month from now, someone's going to go, hey, just heard your podcast. Yeah. So, but That's cool. Um, uh, right now, uh, Love in a Bar just came out. More songs to come out, and as soon as you decide whatever radio single you're going with, you let me know, and you're up on the show. I told Thanks, you. Man. I'm have you on the. I'm blindly having you on the show. I don't even <laughs> know what the song is. Man. I don't even know what it is. I hope we find out soon. Whenever man. you decide what it is, I appreciate. You that. just Thank text you. me and go, "Hey, this is a song." Yeah, I mean, it's, we get you have a plan until you don't have one. So, I, whatever. I, I, we you never plan for people like you to to to, to attack. You know. To like it, you know what I mean. You I never plan to see walking down the hallway and go, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm kind of nervous to go tell the dude I'm a fan." But my rule is that I tell my listeners and and people, if if you're a fan of somebody, just go tell them. You tell if someone doesn't like the fact that you tell them you're a fan, then they're not worthy of of having fans. Yeah. Um, unless they have kids or if they're eating. But other than those two things, like I was like, I have to live by my own rule. And I always wanted to fear weirded out by another man coming up going, dude, big fan. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me at all. Then it doesn't I, happen very much. I'm usually the one. Like next to the person who like has people come up, and I get to be anonymous, so it, it makes you feel good when people. I mean, it happens a little more now than it used to, but it never is annoying. Well, when you, sure. when you sharpened my left butt cheek, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you like. Okay, Ryan Hurd, uh, you're gonna put out depending on when you listen to this, every month something new. Then we'll get a record. You going out with Chase Rice this summer? Wait, yeah. where are, what month are we in? This is October. This fall? Yeah. Dude, I don't know. This whole every day's Groundhog Day. Yeah, that tour is fun, man. People are wild, and I love Chase. You're out now with them, then. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, as of now, done two weekends. It's fun. Their crowds are great. He is a great live performer. I really love his new single, too. It's, I think it's cool. My Wait, buddy Jeremy Bussey wrote it. 
He's playing with us in uh, November in Austin. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll. I think we're flying back after. I think if you come out to that, if you happen to be in that show, and you may not, you may be flying back. He's gonna he's gonna come out and play with us a bit. Um, you gotta come out. There's, we got we, we sold right. four thousand tickets of the Raging Idiots in Austin. That's awesome. So you gotta come out and do something if you're right. there. If, if I'm not, of course. If, if yeah. not, don't worry about it. But uh, Ryan Hurd. Uh, I hope you had fun, man. I hope this is cool for you. This is cool for me. I had a blast. I love talking. So this is that's all this is. That's that's, that's all it is. Yeah. And uh, hey, uh, Jake, appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Dirk, you suck for not answering. Uh, <laughs> we will uh, catch you guys next time. This is episode nine, Mike. Yep. All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, check out Ryan Hurd uh, on Twitter at Ryan Hurd. That is R Y A N H U R D. Thanks to our producer, Mike Destro, M-I-K-E-D-E-E-S-T-R-O. I'm Bobby Bones. Episode 9 of the Bobby Cast is over. Thanks again to Ryan Hurd, and our sponsor is nobody right now. But hopefully that'll change soon. All right, guys, have a good day, unless it's not daytime. And if it's nighttime, have a great night. Bye, everybody.